This morning, though, we are going to just continue on with our Fruit of the Spirit series. We are almost done, um, but this morning we're going to be looking at the seventh one, which is faithfulness. And I know this is probably a pretty familiar concept for many of us, and this applies to different areas of our life, but obviously, most importantly, this applies to our relationship with Christ. And as followers of Christ, the one thing that we are all striving for is whenever that day comes, whether we pass from this earth or are raptured, hopefully, off this earth, when we reach heaven, we are greeted with the words from our Heavenly Father of well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but life would not be worth living for God without hearing those words at the end because we don't want to hear the opposite of depart from me, I never knew you. That's not something I want to hear and I am hoping and praying that's not something any of us want to hear. But as we go through our lives loving and serving Christ, like I said, we want to be a faithful servant. We want to be faithful to God, faithful in our relationship with him, but also faithful in what he's given us in our life as far as our gifts, our talents, our abilities. And this morning, as we continue on, we're going to learn and try and get a little bit better understanding of what does this really mean to be a faithful follower of Christ, to have faithfulness on display, as we've been saying, with the fruit of the Spirit. And as a refresher, our verse from Galatians 5, through 25 is up on the screen. And that key f- verse there at the end where it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That's been important all throughout this series, and it's very important this morning because as a faithful follower of Christ, we're saying, I'm in step with you, Lord. I'm in step with what the Holy Spirit has instructed me to do. Everything else you're asking me to do, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, all of that, I'm in step with you. But faithfully, I'm going to keep going with all of these and have them all on display each and every day. And last week I mentioned how, yes, each fruit of the Spirit works well on its own. But when they all come together and they're all really working together and on display all at the same time, there is this very powerful drawing power that comes from that. That It starts to attract people to us in a good way of, man, you kind of stand out from the crowd. What's going on there? And faithfulness is no different. And when it comes to faithfulness, there are two different aspects that need to be looked at. First, when you think of someone being faithful, the first thing that probably comes to mind is, well, they're dependable and trustworthy. Faithful people, they keep their word. They do what they promised. Faithful people will follow through on what they have committed to. They're not going to bail on you. If they tell you they're going to be there, they're going to be there. Like, unless God comes himself. They're going to be there for you. They're going to be by your side. They're going to help you. Second, faithful people, they're going to exercise this dependability and trustworthiness over a long period of time. This isn't just a one-time occurrence where somebody's like, you can count on me. A truly faithful person, this is on display throughout their life. Something that they're growing and constantly working on, but something that you know without a shadow of a doubt is just a part of their everyday life. 
And a definition for faithfulness that I came across this week in my studies, and it fits perfectly. Faithfulness is the character of somebody you know you can simply rely on all the time. And I am here to remind you this morning that we all know and we all can serve and are serving somebody that fits this definition perfectly, and that is God. He is a faithful God, and you can rely on him all the time. I mean, 3 o'clock in the morning, you can be woken out of a dead sleep, and you know that God is there waiting and listening. He's not sleeping himself. He is ready. He is willing and able to listen and be there by your side. And all throughout the Bible, we're reminded of the faithfulness of God from the Old Testament right through the New Testament. And to be quite honest with you, God's faithfulness is one thing the Bible makes mention of more than anything else. More than anything else, it speaks of God's faithfulness. Look at what Deuteronomy 32, 3-4 says about God's faithfulness. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the Rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness, without iniquity, just and upright is he. And then the one book of the Bible that just, it's all over the place, is the book of Psalms. And we see God's faithfulness mentioned. David writes about it all throughout. And the one that I came across that really, really stuck out to me was Psalm 33, 4 through 5, where it says, For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. And now when it comes to God's faithfulness, we don't have to look very far in the the Bible to come across it we have the story of the Israelites as a very, very, very good example of God's faithfulness. I mean, gracious sakes, the Lord was faithful from the very beginning with them fulfilling promises, protecting them. Even when he brought them out of Egypt and then they were wandering through the desert for 40 years and these people had the audacity to complain and grumble and say, Lord, what are you doing? Where are you? God was still faithful. Even when Moses was off talking with God and they're down there having a party, making idols and everything, yes, the Lord punished them, but at the same time, he was faithful to them. He could have easily destroyed them off the face of the earth, been like, I'm done with you. But he was faithful, and they kept going. In the New Testament, there's examples of God's faithfulness as well. And the Apostle Paul was one that understood the faithfulness of God. It was shown through the life of Jesus. It was shown through his death and resurrection. 1 Corinthians 1.9, he writes, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Think about that for a minute. Our God is so faithful that when the temptations and the battles come, he knows how much we can handle. He's not going to push us beyond that. But he is so faithful that he has the way out for us. He's right there with us. I'm like, look, just lean on me. Rely on me. You're going to get through this. I won't leave you. He's not leaving us high and dry. Bottom line is this, our God is faithful and he can be trusted to be by our side. 
When it comes to us, though, God's people, well, we need to understand something. We're not perfect. When it comes to faithfulness, we are constantly pursuing this. We're growing in this, and we're working on this. And like the fruit of the Spirit, we're working on developing this so it's evident and that our life is bearing it. And if we're not striving towards faithfulness, well, then what does that open the door for? Unfaithfulness. Even through the repeated unfaithfulness towards God from the Israelites, the unwavering faithfulness of God remained. And something interesting that I was reading, the the authors of this book, they said that when the Israelites were unfaithful toward God, God felt betrayal and pain similar to what is experienced in an unfaithful marriage. I can, re- I can relate to that as a married man. I'm not saying that I've been unfaithful to my wife or she's been unfaithful to me. We're celebrating our sixth, um, our sixth um, anniversary today. And I can tell you, over those six years, the faithfulness that we have experienced of God, but also with each other, it's amazing. And I, and I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, if for some reason unfaithfulness were to slip into our marriage, the pain that one, either one of us would feel, I can't imagine. And I thank God, though, that he's right there in the middle of us saying, you've got this. I brought you together for a reason as husband and wife, and you're going to remain faithful to each other until the end. Just like the Israelites, when we are unfaithful to God, we break his heart. He feels a little bit of hurt and betrayal, but he doesn't just turn his back and say, that's it, okay, wow. No, he opens his arms and he's like, come back. I forgive you. Let's work on this together. Let me help you. Now, despite the Israelites being unfaithful multiple times towards God, there was one person among them that stood out as faithful through it all. And this morning, I want to share some examples of faithfulness that are found in Scripture and how they can apply to our lives. We're going to start in the Old Testament. And when you read through the Old Testament, we encounter Moses. And he is an excellent example of faithfulness. And we can learn from him on how to apply some things to our own life. The writer of Hebrews compares Jesus and Moses in respect to faithfulness. In Hebrews 3, 1 through 2, we read, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. What a comparison. What a comparison for Moses to be compared to Jesus as a faithful, faithful person. When, and when you really think about it, Moses, he was faithful through quite a bit. Further in Hebrews, in Hebrews eleven twenty three through 29, we're going to read this together. We see some stuff that Moses was faithful through. It says that by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, 
not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. And by faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Through everything, Moses acted by faith. He was raised as Pharaoh's daughter, and he very easily could have taken that title, lived a pretty good life, but instead he stepped out in faith and was like, no, I need to be with my people. I need to be with my people. And, I mean, Pharaoh very easily could have been like, okay, that's the end of you. But he let him go, be with his people. Moses continued to go back to Pharaoh multiple times, trying to plead with him to free the people. And by faith, he kept going back, like, okay, Lord, at some point you're eventually going to come through here. And then that last plague where the firstborn of each household was killed, Moses, by faith, instructed his people, Sacrifice a lamb, take the blood, put it over your door, and God will pass by. That takes a lot of faith. And then to leave Egypt took a lot of faith. To leave, yes, they were slaves, but they at least had food. They at least had shelter. And he led them through the desert faithfully. Even though I can tell you over the course of that 40 years, it was probably not enjoyable. And he probably was not um, happy with them at times. He's human. He faced challenges and opposition. We read the account of this in Numbers 11 through 16, and there's quite a list of problems that Moses dealt with while leading the Israelites. He dealt with, well, how am I supposed to feed these people meat? All they've been eating is manna, and the Lord provided. He was even criticized by his own family for who he chose as his wife. So he had people coming against him for his marriage. He's supposed to be leading this nation, and people are like, why'd you marry her? She's not right for you. But he remained faithful to God, remained faithful in his marriage. He even faced some discouragement when the spies came back from Canaan, and the majority of them were like, this isn't possible. These people are huge. There's no way we're going to defeat them. He remained faithful and was like, no, we're going to keep pressing on. And all the while, these people grumbled and complained. He remained faithful. Even after the Lord instructed him, Moses, speak to the rock and water's going to come out. And he decided out of anger because the people were complaining, I'm just going to strike it. And then God told him, well, you're not going to enter the promised land. He remained faithful and continued leading them till the day he died. If the Lord were to look at one of us today and be like, because of this, you're not going to receive this reward that I promised to you and your people. Would you be able to be like Moses and continue to be faithful in your walk with God, knowing that you're not going to get what's on the end and the rest of these people are going to get? God himself even commended Moses for his faithfulness. In Numbers 12, 6 through 8, God said, Hear my words, if there is a prophet among you. I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? 
I don't know about you, but when it comes to living a life of faithfulness, when it comes to being commended for faithfulness, I want to strive to be like Moses. Even when everything seems to be going wrong, people complaining at me, people coming at me for different decisions I've made on how I'm doing things, still want to remain faithful. So the Lord can look down and be like, well done, good and faithful servant. And of course, there are several other examples of faithfulness to be found in the Old Testament. We just saw on Friday night in the movie with Noah, faithfulness. I mean, the man was faithful to God for how many years to build that ark? And then even after that, was faithful that the Lord would bring the rain and would keep his family safe. And then the Lord went silent for six months before he instructed Noah. And it, well, more than that, instructed Noah and his family, okay, it's time to get off. He remained faithful. Could you do that? Locked up in an ark like that with all those animals? Oh, whew, gracious sakes. And there's all throughout the Old Testament, there's different examples. But we're going to turn our attention now to faithfulness found in the New Testament. And again, there's many examples that we could look at. But this morning, we're going to specifically look at the parable of the talents that's found in Matthew chapter 25. And Jesus teaches us about faithfulness by telling us this parable. And through this story, Jesus gives us two very good examples of faithful servants and one example of an unfaithful servant. And a quick synopsis of this story for those of you that may not know it or it's been a while since you've heard it. This master is getting ready to go on a journey. And he comes to his three servants that work for him. And he approaches them. And he distributes talents, money, to the three of them, different amounts, based on their ability. And then he leaves. He doesn't give them instruction on what to do. He just leaves. So the first two servants took what was given to them and they went and they doubled it. The one was given five talents. He, he went out, invested it, whatever he did with it, but was able to then come back with ten. The second one had two. He went out, did the same thing, came back with four. The third servant went, took his one, buried it, and did nothing with it and just went on about his way. So when the master came back after some time, what was his response to each of these three servants? Well, to the first two, he was greatly pleased and happy with what they did. And he even then turned around and gave them more responsibility. The third servant he was very displeased with and cast him out and took his one talent and gave it to the first servant. When it comes to our relationship with God, Here's the question. Are we being faithful with what he has given us? And are we using it wisely or are we unfaithfully squandering what he has given us? Are we diligently striving to grow in this fruit of the spirit or are we allowing ourselves to just dry up and come unconnected from the vine and just wither up and die? From this story, there's four truths that we can take when it comes to faithfulness and what God has given us. The first truth is God gives everyone different gifts. And we see this illustrated in verse 15. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability, then he went away. 
Something interesting to note here was the master in this parable was only concerned with how each servant used the talents. He didn't care about how much was brought back to him. He was only interested in what did you do with it. And the same can be said for us and God. God is not going to compare now each one of us. Okay, I've given you this ability, and I've given you this ability. Now let me kind of see what, no. God's looking at each one of us, and he's like, I've given you this gift. I've given you this ability. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to use this to further my kingdom? Each and every one of us, we've been given different gifts, and that's what makes the kingdom of God so unique is that we all are gifted in different ways. Now, yes, some of us, we may share some of the same gifting, but ultimately, we all have a different gift that plays a big part in God's kingdom. And are we being responsible stewards with what we've been given? And what do I mean by this? Well, if God has given you the heart and the gift to work with children, are you looking for opportunities to use that and grow in that? And that is a shameless plug for our kids' ministry. Of We need volunteers. And if God has put that on your heart, see my wife. See me. We'll help you get plugged into that. If God has given you the gift of hospitality, are you looking for ways to actively engage in that? I mean, we would love to have more smiling faces at the door welcoming, welcoming people. And has God given you the, ability, like the gift of baking? There's people that we could reach with that. Do you play an instrument? Do you sing? If so, come talk with me. We'd love to have you join the worship team. The point here is God has given us each a gift, and it's going to do you no good, and it's going to do the kingdom of God no good if you're not finding ways to be faithful and using it. And like I said, God's not looking for who's doing the best. All he's looking for is, what are you doing with, I gave, with what I have given you? Is your heart in this? He's not going to be like, well, you didn't achieve as much as so-and-so. No, that's, that's not what's going on here. God is solely focused on, were you faithful with what I gave you, and how did you use it to further my kingdom? The second truth is more responsibility is good. Matthew 25, 21 and 23, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. If you recall, the two servants who invested their talents and came back with more, they received more responsibility. Whereas the third one, even the little responsibility he had was removed from him, and then he was cast out. God gives responsibility to those who can handle it. He also gives just enough because he knows how much you can handle. So the question here is, will you be humble? Will you remain loyal? Will you work hard with what you've been given, no matter how large or small? If you see something that needs done, if you see an area that needs somebody to step into, will you be faithful to step into it, knowing that God's going to help you with this? And then eventually you'll be able to look back and be like, I'm so glad I took this step of faith and stepped into what God called me to do. Look where it's gotten me now. When it comes to responsibility, unfortunately, some people don't 
want any more than what's already been given to them. And unfortunately, some people, they even look for opportunities to get rid of the little bit of responsibility that they do, that they do have. I'm here to tell you something this morning. In God's kingdom, however, however and whatever we're gifted with, we are always asked to put forth 100% effort to use the gift God has given us. And like I said, it doesn't matter. It could be simple as sweeping, sweeping the floors, taking the trash out. Put your 100% effort into that. It doesn't matter. All God is looking for is, are you willing and are you able to take this responsibility I've given to you? The third point, people who are lazy with, God talents, with God's talents are punished. And I apologize for that word. I don't like that word, but it's the best one that can fit there. But people who are lazy with God's talents are punished. Matthew 25, 28, and 30. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Lord help us. I don't want to be considered a worthless servant of God. I don't want to be cast out like that. I don't want to be considered lazy in God's kingdom. The servant that was given the one talent, he did absolutely nothing with it. But wait a minute, he did do something with it. He took the time to go out, find a spot, dig a hole, and bury it. In the amount of time that he did that, he very easily could have just gone and done the same thing these two other did, invest it, and earn something back. But he, did, he, he wasn't interested in doing that. The Bible doesn't tell us, but we could assume being human he probably was a little bit disgruntled with his master of, you only gave me one, why'd you give the others more than me? And so his response, I'm just going to do nothing with this. There are countless stories of people who have been given something small and turned it into something bigger. God does not want us to sit idly by and do nothing with what we have been given. Even if what we have been given seems small, we need to avoid being like this third servant and at least take responsibility, take a hold of what God has given us and say, okay, Lord, I'm giving it 100%. I don't know about you, but when it comes to standing before the Lord, I don't want to be cast out from God for squandering what he's given. I don't want him to look at me and say, you have nothing to show. Like, I gave you plenty of opportunity, but you did nothing with it. That's not, that's not something I, that I want to experience, and I pray and hope that's something that you don't want to experience as well. The final truth from this story this morning is the only people who invest get a return. That's pretty straightforward, and being... A banker, I understand that. Of like, yeah, like if you don't invest the money into something, you're not going to really get anything back from it. But Matthew 25, 29 tells us, For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. From the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Think about this example for a second. Farmers, are they go and buy seeds, and they understand something. They understand that they need to plant the seed, they understand they need to water it, and take care of it in order to have something to harvest at the end of the season. 
and they know that if they don't do this and if they don't take care of their fields, well, what happens? Their field becomes overrun with weeds and they have nothing to harvest. So they're not going to make any money. They're not going to have anything to provide for our family. God, in the same way, has given each of us different talents and responsibilities that we need to be faithful with. But we need to use it in order to see a return. We can't just say, oh, God's given me the heart for this, but then not act on it. You're not going to see anything. And you might get discouraged. Well, well, God's given me the heart to do this, but I'm not seeing anything coming from that. Do something with it. The more we are faithful to be proactive with what God has given us, we're going to reap rewards and be on the receiving end of more given to us. And it won't be taken from us. However, if we decide not to be faithful and proactive with what God has given us, well, then, yeah, God's going to be like, all right, well, there's nothing more I can do here. Like, you're not wanting, like, you're not moving forward with this. So the question this morning is this. What has God blessed you with? What has he gifted you with? How are you investing it for his glory? I want to encourage you, don't waste what God has given you. Stay faithful. Strive for excellence. And in the end, I know each and every one of us here, we want to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. As we approach the conclusion of this message, Mike, if you want to get ready, I am reminded of Colossians 3, 23-24. And this verse, I dare say, is probably my favorite verse, a verse that I hold close to my heart, a verse that I strive for every day. This verse tells us, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. No matter what I do, no matter how hard I work, the time and energy I put in, in the end, I'm working for God. Yes, along the way, I might get pats on the back, like receive different awards and stuff, and that's all fine. But along the journey, I need to remind myself that everything I do, I'm working for the Lord. Next time your boss tries to tell you something, look at him and say, I work for God, not for you. No, I'm kidding. Don't say that. Don't say that. But there was times that I would have to sit in my office, and I disagreed with what my boss was saying. I'm like, Lord, I know ultimately everything I do is for you, and I work for you. Help me figure this out with this person right now. And he does. But it's a wonderful reminder that no matter what we do and whatever we work at, we're doing it for God, and our inheritance is going to come from the Lord. When it comes to faithfulness, we need to remember it's a lifestyle. It's not just something we say. It's something that we need to live out, live out daily. And at the beginning of the message, I referred to that definition of faithfulness, where it says that faithfulness is the character of somebody you know you can simply rely on all the time. Is that you? And if it's not, how can you become that person? Remember that we serve a God that is faithful, and he has proven over and over through Scripture, and dare I say, even our own lives, that he is faithful. 
this morning, take a moment, ask yourself this. Have you been faithful with what God has given? Or have you not taken the necessary steps to really move forward in that? Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And you will begin to understand what it is that God wants you to do. You'll become more aware of what your gifting is. And the Holy Spirit will guide you and direct you. Look for opportunities to use the gifts God has given you, even if they are small. Because eventually, they'll grow and more will come. I want to close with this verse before we sing this song. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Father, we come to you again and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness, God. We thank you for the reminders, God. God, and I pray for each one of us here, Lord. Lord, whatever it is you've given each one of us, God. God, that we remember to ultimately, you just call us to be faithful with it, faithful to you, God. Lord, that's all you ask of us. God, and that the more we respond to that, the more you will give us, Lord. God, and the more your kingdom will grow and the further we will be able to reach, God. I pray for each person here, Lord. You continue to speak to them, God. Lord, and if they don't know or they haven't figured out quite yet, Lord, of what that is, God, I pray that you reveal that to them in only the ways that you can, Lord. And that they then plug into and find ways to move forward with that. I pray for each person here this morning, God, you be with them. Bless them and keep them safe as we leave from this place. Be with us this week. Let us be lights to our community and those around us and keep us all safe and bring us back next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, and we'll see you next Sunday.